0: The reading this morning is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 7 to 13. Jesus sends out the twelve. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Wake up Aidan. So we have to tell Aidan to wake up several times in the morning because it's even written on the order of service now for the, to wake up Aidan at various points. So. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> You're a great job, Aidan. It's great to see you all. Shall we just pray? Father, we just thank you for this opportunity of being together. Lord, may you speak to us, each of us, individually as we listen to you and as we respond to your words to us. Amen. Now I wonder if you've ever thought about what it must have been like to be a disciple. When Jesus said to them come follow me do you think they had any idea what they were letting themselves in for? Now if we're putting together a team that was going to go and change the world. I don't think that would be it, do you? A bunch of fishermen. A tax collector. A couple of them, pretty quick-tempered. One of them was a revolutionary, a zealot. One of them was going to be a traitor. None of them were people that you'd have thought, they wouldn't even get past the shortlisting stage if I was interviewing them, that's for certain... These men probably lacked spiritual understanding. They often lacked humility. They often lacked faith and commitment and power. They were always getting into trouble, missing the point of Jesus' teachings, lashing out at people who were different, saying the wrong thing, putting their feet in it, walking away from their commitment to Jesus. And that's probably just for starters. At the end of the day, though, they're a human, just like you and I. So what does the word disciple mean? It's much more than a follower. You can follow a football team and never leave the comfort of your sofa, particularly if you follow Man United. That's my prejudice just out of the way there. To be a disciple carries with it ideas of dedication Obedience and effort. The best example would probably be the traditional apprentice. The picture of a person becoming apprentice to a master of a craft or a trade. Someone who spends years observing, training, having a go and learning the skills required. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be an apprentice or imitator of him. Jesus' disciples were there to share in his work, to share in his mission and ministry. Now Jesus called these men to him some time earlier, probably a few months before where we are now. For some time now, they've been following Jesus from town to town and from village to village. They've been listening to him teach. They've been watching him perform miracles. They've been serving their apprenticeship. And what an apprenticeship it is. Just think about what they've experienced in the few weeks running up to where we are today. First of all, as we heard last week, they've had the fright of their lives and a massive storm on the Sea of Galilee. And then just been completely stunned as Jesus calms the storm. And get out of their boats on the other side of the lake, on the other side of the sea, and met by legion. Legion who's um, possessed by evil spirits. Here they are, probably still a little bit in shock, when Jesus commands the evil spirits to leave the man. Spirits sent into a herd of pigs. Now, I've read this story so many times, but I just had not appreciated Two thousand pigs! And they rush down the hill and into the water and drown. Amazing. The disciples then witness Jesus healing a woman who just touches his cloak, and then a dead girl is brought back to life. And then Jesus takes his disciples to his hometown, where he's rejected by his own people. I love how Mark puts it. He said he couldn't do any miracles there, because he was rejected, except heal a few people. They're fairly amazing miracles, in my point of view, but anyway, this is their preparation. Being scared half to death, witnessing evil spirits sending pigs into water, healings, resurrections and then rejection. As I said, what an apprenticeship. But through all this, Jesus has been preparing them. Preparing them for what though? He's been preparing them to play their part in his life and ministry. Enabling them to experience all the different emotions from outright fear to cruel rejection. We shall come across as they come out onto the road. In spite of their weaknesses, Jesus knows that these men are going to be the ones who will eventually turn the world upside down for his glory. So we're going to begin to explore the way that Jesus goes about getting his disciples to share in the mission. And we'll see what it means for us here today. So we can see there are four distinct parts to the way Jesus sends them out. First of all, He gives them practical instructions. Secondly, he gives them a mandate of authority. He sends them out in community. And finally, he gives them a mission. So Jesus gives his disciples specific and practical instructions to enable them to complete the task they've been set. Their mission was an urgent one. There was a real sense of immediacy about what Jesus was sending them on. I think it's important that these are emergency instructions for a swift and dangerous mission. They're not necessarily a picture for continuing life for the church after Easter. But Jesus instructs them to travel light, very light. Their message is one, that God's kingdom is breaking in at last. That's why it was so urgent. And that's why they had to take minimum extra bits and pieces. That's why they had to rely on local hospitality. And focus entirely on the task in hand. They were the advance party, the outriders warning people that something was about to happen and that everyone should get ready for it. Jesus was also acutely aware that they could be rejected in much the same way as he had been in his hometown. So he gave them further instructions as to how they should respond to that rejection. It was to be a solemn, symbolic instruction. Wipe the dust of the place off their feet. This is what devout Jews also did when they left um, Gentile areas to show that they were disassociating themselves from it. We could look at this as somewhat petulant, but in the context of the task set before them, nothing else would do. There was no time to waste. Whenever I read from Mark, there's always a real sense of immediacy about the passages can almost be described as breathless and this passage we are focusing on is the disciples breathless mission there's no time to lose they've been given specific instructions but they've also been given a mandate to carry out the task Jesus wanted his disciples to be his representatives with appropriate authority if he'd sent them out without his authority he would have crippled them and they'd have been just like one of countless other wandering philosophers at the time. These people were known as cynics. They went around begging, teaching people in quite stark and shocking ways that they shouldn't pay any attention to the world, that it was a sham and a nonsense. They had the reputation of barking at the rich and respectable. Some people, seeing Jesus' disciples, might have thought at first that these were the same sort of people. However, they'd soon have learnt otherwise. The similarities ended there. The cynics had not been given Jesus' mandate of authority. They didn't cast out demons, and they didn't anoint people and heal them. The disciples had been given authority and power to begin to change people's lives, both spiritually and physically. Authority without power is weak, and power without love is dangerous. Jesus gave his disciples authority and power, and he constantly challenged them to use it in a loving and caring way. Verse 7, I think, is one of the key verses in this passage. He began to send them out two by two. I wonder why he did this. Do you think it was for mutual support? For safety? To fulfill the requirements of the law? for every testament to be established by the words of two witnesses. It's probably all of the above and more. Whichever way you look at it, this passage is possibly the model on which the apostles would base their ministry. We can look at Paul going out with Barnabas. We can look at Paul and Barnabas when they go their separate ways, taking someone with them. It's a recurring pattern throughout the New Testament, and it's something that we should aim to follow. We're not designed to minister or work on our own, we should be sharing the work, operating in groups and teams. As well as the obvious support there would be for each other, the synergy would mean that the results would be increased. Synergy can be described as the working together of two things to produce an effect greater than the sum of their individual effects. Two or more people working together can do do more than if they were working individually. Two are definitely better than one. The New Testament talks about fellowship in three different ways. Fellowship means sharing the same lifeblood. We don't become Christians in an individualist, individualistic way. We become Christians in a deeply personal, but also fully corporate way. We're part of the body of Christ. We share the same values as others who are also part of this body. Fellowship means caring, connect, caring connection and inter- sorry, Caring connection and intimacy is caring connection is expressed in many practical ways. Love for one another, sharing with those in need, supporting one another. Thirdly, fellowship means partnering with a purpose. This church has a purpose to grow God's kingdom in Basin Hill and beyond. We're all called to share in that purpose and play our part in it. We don't meet here on a Sunday to make ourselves feel good to get our God fixed for the week. We meet together to fulfil the Great Commission. The principle that I believe Jesus establishes here is that we should be living our lives in community. The Christian life is not meant to be a solo effort, but a group experience. We're here with a job to do, and we can't do it on our own. God created us as individuals with different gifts but with gifts that complement each other. If we're going to be effective witnesses, then we need to play to our strengths and work with others to develop the synergy that means we can do more together. So Jesus gave his disciples specific instructions, a mandate of authority, and sent them out in community. But what did he send them to do? The message was really quite a simple one. Verse 12 says, They went out and preached that she, people should repent. It's the same message that Jesus has been preaching since he first began travelling around the towns and villages of Judea. It's the message John the Baptist preached before him Repent and be baptised, for the kingdom of God is near. From the, very, from the very start, the disciples had heard the message. Now it was their turn to tell it. They understood the message and knew that they needed to share it. So that was their message. But how did they preach it? It was straightforward, but the mission was more complex. Jesus had mandated them with power and authority. It's clear that they used it. They drove out many demons, and anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. Their mission wasn't only one of words, but it was one of action. And this is what we're being called to this Lent. To be the people of God in our community. To bring salt and light where we work. To pray for the sick and see them healed. To be a people of action. To be a people who live out the words of Matthew 25. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. James, in his letter, also spoke about the need for us to be combining our faith with action. He writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So the disciples went off on their mission, following Jesus' instructions, taking on board their mandate, and working together and preaching the need for repentance and healing the sick. And what was the result? Well, we're not really told specifically here do you think it might have been a bit like the return of the 72 in Luke's gospel? The 72 returned with joy and said, "Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name." And Jesus replied, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven." So what does this mean for us here in Shrewsbury in Lent 2011? The first thing to grasp is that we are God's apprentices. We won't graduate from this apprenticeship until we join him in glory. We'll never have him say to us, you're fired, like Alan Sugar does. But we'll not always always get it right either. The point of an apprenticeship is that we work alongside the Master and help him with his work on earth. Jesus sends out the twelve apostles to preach the good news of the kingdom. Here, in many ways, we're like the apostles. They didn't always understand what Jesus taught. They didn't feel like they were ready enough to be sent. And they often felt they didn't have enough training. Do you ever feel like you're not ready? But let's not spend time making excuses for why we can't get involved in God's work. We have no excuses not to go. Jesus gives us specific instructions as well. Matthew 28 tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. And at the same time, he gives us a power and authority through the Holy Spirit. In exactly the same way as he equipped the apostles in the New Testament, he equips us. The crucial thing, though, is that we share in God's mission. It implies a corporate response, as well as an individual one. We're being sent out on a mission, although the mission often appears to be mission impossible. When we share it with others, it can become mission possible. Together, we can do more. If you're not already involved in a home group, why not use this Lent period to get involved in one and see how sharing our lives, our ministry and ourselves with other Christians helps us grow. Between us, we can then discover how the power of being in a group helps us achieve more in the community that we live and work and to share the practical love with those around us. Let's be the hands of Jesus, let's be the feet of Jesus in the places we find ourselves every day of the week. We're going to spend a bit of time now, with Simon's going to lead us in a song, which will give us a bit of space to reflect and listen to what God is saying to us. What does he want us to do? Where does he want us to do it? And who does he want us to share his mission with? Amen.